Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of friends explore movies through trivia. I'm one of these friends, KJ, and with me is... Tom. And I'm Chris. For those joining us for the first time, we start off each episode with four rapid-fire trivia questions and possibly a few bonus questions. Audience, feel free to play along from home. The first question is worth one point, and each question after that is worth one more point. Then... We'll follow it up with our subdued movie rant, where anything goes. Tom, tell us about today's movie. Walking up to theaters in India in 2022, we would have had to choose between Spider-Man, No Way Home, Bangaruju, Scream, The King's Man, The Batman, and today's movie, RRR. KJ will be our questioner today. KJ, what is RRR all about? Audience, I hope you like the movie. RRR is an epic tale of what if two historical legends that never actually met did meet in real life. In Occupied India, we follow Bhim, who is searching for a girl from his village, and Rama, who is searching for Bhim, to rise within the Indian army. Quite by accident, they become good friends and are forced to battle each other over and over and over again until they finally put down their agendas, recognize their friendship as the most important thing. It's time for question one. What is Beam doing when we first meet him? Locked in. I've literally just watched this movie. Why can I not think of this? <laughs> I'll, I'll lock in. All right, Chris, what do you have? I think our isn't our first introduction to him when he's in the jungle being trying to catch the tiger with his two friends. Tom? Yeah, so he's in the jungle and he is um running from what looks like a black large cat, like a pumba or something like that. And then a tiger comes and he uses the tiger to knock it down, but apparently he's doing some sort of training where his blood is drawing the attention of this this black, large black cat. Um, in order to practice his, presumably, his his athleticism. Points for everybody. But no, Tom, they're getting the animals for the end of Act 1 or whatever you want to call it. The oh, reason they have... That's why they're <laughs> that's doing it. hilarious. Oh, that funny? yeah, yeah. Okay. I thought that was... A, like it, they, they show up with all those animals, and you're yeah. like, oh, that's what they were doing. I oh, totally did not okay. connect that together. Because it feels like such a strange scene, right? Yeah, right? I didn't... I thought it was he was because he's bleeding to attract them. Clearly, Beam is bleeding to right, attract right. them. Right. Right. Yep. My thought was that he was training, like this is a, a sort of martial task he has to go through to to prove his Mm-mm-mm. role as a protector. And then, um, even between that and uh, really the bridge scene, they're constantly commenting on, man, how much meat do those guys eat? Because they keep buying they loads and loads of meat. They have to feed the animals. <laughs> they're throwing yeah, yeah. them through them. <laughs> ah, that's funny. <laughs> it's time for question two. For a point apiece, what are each of our heroes riding when they save the boy under the bridge? Locked in. Locked in. Tom, what do you have? Um, horse and motorcycle. Chris? Yeah, Beam is on the uh, motorcycle and the other animal's a horse. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, it it kind of reminded me of um, True Lies a little bit. 
There yes. were some true lies vibes going on. Yes, there. actually, that's yeah. <laughs> It's a solid connection, yeah. The motorcycle and the horse, but just the whole, the feel of the movie and everything. Mm-hmm. So, this movie's a lot more fun than True Lies. Although I would say True Lies might be my favorite James Cameron. But anyway, I, I think I agree that True Lies is my favorite James Cameron, and it's a lot of fun. True Lies is a lot of fun. Yeah, I don't know if it's more fun than this movie. No, 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 no. That would I, be. That's I don't know if anything could be more fun no, than this movie. This was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's time for question three. For a point apiece, what are the three dances mentioned before the Natsu Natsu dance? Locked in. Oh, okay. I think I. Oh, um. You guys remember the. the yeah, Natsu I know. Natsu I know what you're talking about. Right before that. Um, locked in with one. I remember one. All right, Tom. What do you have? I remember two. Um, the flamingo and the tango. Chris. I had flamingo, tango, and the rumba. All right, two points apiece. Um, the guy talks about the tango, flamenco, and then swing. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! And then he gets schooled by these two guys. Yeah. Um, and then Rama actually says, uh, like his rebuttal, he includes the salsa. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, so I would have taken salsa as well, which rumba is pretty close to the salsa. It's also a vacuum cleaner. Who knew? <laughs> it's funny because when he was doing the swing, I thought he was going to say tap dancing, which was also going to be a strange kind of inclusion there. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. All right. We're all tied up going into the last question. It's time for question four. What does doshte mean? Oh, locked in. It's a little uh, help for I think it's Chris context. Mind time. Yeah. So... In the, it, there's a song that they play over and over again, um, in addition to the Not Too Not Too song. Um, I, I don't know if we first hear it when they're on the bridge, but they play it in its entirety right after they save the boy from the bridge. They're like underwater walking towards each other, and there's a song playing, and the refrain, they say doshte over and over and over again. Yeah, I'm going to... I can give you some more clues. Uh... It's between a hunter and a tiger, between a guillotine and a head. It's between an erupting volcano and a wild storm, between free will and destiny. Wow, I have literally no idea. Let's say <laughs> like blood. Wild... It's blood because there's a lot of blood in this movie. So let's say blood. <laughs> Tom, I thought it was fate. Ooh, no points, gentlemen. It's friendship. Oh, okay. Uh... <laughs> I mean that's that's awesome. Consider what this movie is, but that means right. <laughs> Oof. I was, you had, me, you had mm. me scared there, Tom. You had a you you locked in quick. I thought I was done for. Oh, I thought I I thought I had it. I thought I remembered. <laughs> mm. All right, audience, we're going to bonus. Mm-hmm. It's time for a bonus question. What does R R R stand for? Locked oh, in. locked in. Wow, mm. I I had to look this up, guys. Uh, Chris, what do you have? Well, I'm going to ask you, do you want it in like what their translation was or do you want it what came up on the screen? Because what came up on the screen was Rise, Roar, wow, Rise, Roar, Revolt. But I I actually thought this was going to be a question. So I looked it up that actually in the in the India, it was Fierce Death Blood was Mm -hmm. what the two what the three R's actually stood for. I I had Rise, Roar, Revolt because that's what appears on the screen as well. Oh, that's fantastic. So I didn't watch it on Netflix. So my RRRs were different. Um, I don't know quite how to say it, but Rundrum, Random, and Ridderudum, um, which I think translates to Fierce Death Blood, 
And then I had read on Wikipedia that, yeah, Rise, Roar, Revolt was another. So great. Points for everybody on that one. Mm-hmm. It's time for a bonus question. How much does a bullet cost? Locked, Locked in. in. <laughs> okay, guys, I got multiple answers. I guess I'll take any of them. What do you have, Tom? Um, first, you get one pound sterling. That's the, the first answer. Um, the second time, it's six shillings. Now, I don't know six shillings equals one pound sterling, but you get two different prices. Chris? Yeah, Balen Skull says one pound, one pound sterling. And then one of the other things in there, which is heartbreaking to hear, is multiple times in the movie, they talk about how the bullet is worth more than an Indian life. So that's another another quantity that was kind of rough to hear. In what was a fanciful, funny movie, like that was rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, harsh. I, I think this movie was very funny and very lighthearted, but then it was harsh with its violence and you know, some of the realities and the horror that, that they showed. Yeah, points for everybody. Um, I think another time when they're back in Rama's village, somebody says 15 rupees. So those were all the, yeah, mm-hmm. we got them all. Six shillings, one pound. Great. It's time for a bonus question. In RRR, Rama is imprisoned towards the endish of the movie. Beam finds out from Rama's Sig Fig uh, that's significant other, short for significant other, and goes to free him. How does Beam find Rama? Locked in. No, locked in. And it's a pretty specific answer. Oh, crap. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Tom, what do you have? He repeats the beat that um, Rama makes when Rama had been poisoned he makes that beat with a stick on a on a pot in order to attract attention and bima makes that same beat on the ground when crawling over the prisons the prisons which are in the ground in order to get rama to kind of repeat it so he knows which which prison he's in chris yeah so he's in like a solitary confinement pit and he's banging on the ground i i thought it was the beat to the song the original the first dance number or was it not to not to so that's what I, that's what i thought it was although tom is absolutely right it was also the same beat that he was banging on the the pot when he was poisoned by the snake points for everybody it was indeed the beat to not to not to i did not connect the dots with the snake so i'm sure that was not to not to as well i might be wrong about that also but that's what i thought of. well let's give points to everybody <laughs> which makes Nick the winner. Oh, yeah. Nick. Nick squeaks Knew by it. again. That, yeah. that rascal. Oh, God. Yeah, he's uh, been... he, he knew that it was friendship between a guillotine and a head or something or whatever that question was. What's the Jeopardy well, guy? Ken Jennings? Ken Jennings. Nick is the Ken Jennings of our program. Maybe Doshi just means Nick wins. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Yikes. Stay tuned for an over-the-top and well-choreographed movie rant coming up right after this break. Join another Talking Studios production, Limited Lexicon, where we play through text-based adventure games. Text-based adventure games were computer games from before computers had graphics. The game uses text to describe a scene, and the player types back how they want to interact with the game. I'll read the text from the computer, and my co-host will feed me commands. This season, we're playing through The Hobbit from 1982, on the ZX Spectrum. Here's a quick sample. I thought uh, a lot about our first command, and I think it should be 
no print because we don't want to print things as we're going along. I think by default, it's not going to print. And even <laughs> if I did print, I, where is it going to print to? 1982? I, I would imagine if we go west, we're going to be south of the troll, right? Just south of the troll land. Yeah, let's try it. You go west. The troll's clearing. The visible... Oh, <laughs> we died. <laughs> <laughs> all right the troll the troll saw us and killed us so i think we have to say the answer to the riddle then the answer is dark say dark i think talk to what golem, golem. say golem dark you talk to golem thorin says hurry up and we died and we died so we went northeast last time so let's go southwest you go southwest. Visible exits are north, northwest. You see the valuable golden ring. Oh, wow. I knew you. That's wait, wait, wait. perfect. Oh, That's wow. perfect. Limited lexicon coming to your podcatcher and YouTube in late 2022 by Talking Studios. And we're back, audience. I cannot overstate how much I enjoy RRR. And while I was watching it, I was texting these guys some things. And then while each of us were watching it, we kind of had a group thread where we thrown things back and forth. And at one point, Tom started texting me quotes, including the Macy's Day Thanksgiving Parade comparison that Tom talked about last week. But I also just want to give you a few more of his quotes. This movie seems to just be a video of me working out. Why do they need a rope to help the boy? They were just flying. That was not the easiest way to solve that problem. They turned foreshadowing into a song. And then they kind of died out because I think the movie captures you right after that point. You can't then continue to text. But but what else did you think, Tom, about RRR? I also had to teach a class. So that was <laughs> part of the problem. <laughs> they also really enjoyed RRR. They also, yeah. I gave them an assignment and put my headphones on. But... Uh... <laughs> um so what i i enjoy about this movie in sort of the same way i enjoyed house which from an earlier episode which is house is a a japanese movie it has no regard for anything it just wants to be absolute cinema rrr is not absolute cinema it's not doing the same thing what it's What's so appealing about it is that it's just these collections of scenes that are as over the top and as wild and as crazy as possible that are done completely honestly. The sentiment is um, right at the top. Everything seems to be right on the surface, how the characters feel. Um, when when one character is forced to betray another, that character bleeds and the blood goes into his eyes. So he cries a drop of blood. You know, he has a blood tear, that type of thing. And yet what we're dealing with is actually two real people who in real life had not met. There were two revolutionaries in India. One, I believe, had died shortly before the other was even born, who dealt with pretty harsh British colonial oppression and this is a filmmaker who's making this at the time there's a major political action in a a certain area of India in 2014 that he's also responding to and this movie is is in part a response to that and so as a person who's outside of this culture who's looking in and seeing this movie 
what I see are these amazingly entertaining and like kind of weird and kind of bizarre and everything is over the top and everything is exaggerated, but we're also seeing, you know, it, it feels like an amusement park ride. Like it feels like the plot that you see when you go to something in Universal Studios or Disney World. Um, and yet we are dealing with historical trauma very much so and something that's continuing on today according to the filmmakers and so there's this weird kind of aporia between the kind of amusement park ride experience that I think this movie is like and the actual terrible things that this that this movie is addressing uh, as well as there's also all of these um, kind of mythological undertones. I mean, one of these characters is based on a character from the Hindu Indian epic, the Ramayana. The other one is based on a, a famous character from the Maharaba. Um, and, and it's, you know, so there's these, these undertones and, you know, whatever. Uh, but like that kind of opening or crack, it's it's really interesting. And I don't know exactly how to deal with it as a viewer um and I, I found that kind of that sort of conflict really interesting because you are looking into another cultural experience in a way that i you know you, you can't really fully appreciate possibly if you're not in that culture you know what that's fine i i, I really enjoy i love this movie so much i i can't i'm still smiling now like thinking about like all all of it I had trepidations going in. I had never seen a Bollywood movie before, not because I had anything against it, just never had the opportunity. And this was this was great. Uh, I thought it looked fantastic. I, I I watched it on Netflix, so it was in HD, but I thought it looked fantastic. Uh, it felt at times like the like the harshest drama that you could think of. Like the opening scene, K, KJ had actually said that the first couple scenes are more like a prologue. And that once you get to the once you get to the bridge scene, as he said it, then you're locked in. I was locked in after scene one. Wow! Like the like so for people that watched it, they actually some some British people go and they're 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 dealing with some some traditional Indian people at a village, and then they not to bury the lead, they kidnap a girl, basically throwing a a, a, a copper piece at the mother, like we're gonna take your child. Here's here's a little here's a shilling, and then. Balin Skull, uh, Ray Stevenson, rest in peace. Uh, he comes out, he chews the scenery up and like just brutality. And I was like, oh my goodness, what is this movie going to be about? And then you get to scene two. And scene two is when you meet one of the characters who is like representation of fire in a certain way. <laughs> and it is just a slobber knocker. It is, it's like watching World War Z, like him just going into a gigantic crowd of people and and room brooming the entire thing and knocking everybody over and getting his charge and i honestly didn't know if this movie was just a whole bunch of little snippets when mm -hmm. i first started like because the first scene was so different than yep. the second and then even the third scene was a little different but then they referenced the girl and right. that's how i knew it was kind of co coalescing and kj was right after the bridge scene where the two <laughs> main characters first meet that was quote unquote the prologue, and then you get into the story as it goes. But Tom is spot on. It deals with some like really heavy stuff. It it makes the British occupation look horrible, which I'm I'm sure it was. I'm not up on my my history that well in that region, but it makes it look tar horrible. And these characters and this story, this movie, make it 
palatable to watch and not a like gut churning, like gut punch kind of way because it is so fun to watch these characters and their acrobatics. And we talked last time we were with each other, we talked about Orochi and how like well choreographed mm. the fight scenes were. This was <laughs> like you can tell we've, we've progressed 100 years in cinema <laughs> in how yes. well and fine tuned this looked. I'm sure that I know there was lots of wire work, but it was it was really well done like you could tell that it would they were on wires but at the same time it was very seamless very fluid and the fight scenes were over the top and i actually showed my wife uh one of the, the one of the last scenes because i was like this is straight out of a marvel superhero movie mm-hmm. you have like they love their slow motion mm-hmm. they, they, they 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 pull in on the person they they, they give them their hero pose and they're in the last fight scene there's a po- there's a part where he's got the orange pants on, he's got the bow and arrow, and the flames are just kind of engulfing him, and you see his silhouette. <laughs> yes. It was like this is total 2020 superhero Marvel nonsense, but it's in a real crazy pseudo historical world, and it's I loved it. I thought it was great. I I will definitely be watching this one again, and not a long time from now. It'll 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 go back <laughs> on the TV very soon. Yeah, and I'd also like to recommend the soundtrack. Just listening to the soundtrack, especially after watching the movie, you just you see all the scenes again. Um, and, and I do that a lot in uh, Starbucks while I'm on my computer or whatever. And I'm sure that people think I'm crazy because you can't not listen to the soundtrack and not dance while you're sitting in your seat too. So mm, the soundtrack is great. And with the great story and all the bloodshed and the just brutality of it all, there are dance numbers, just random dance numbers thrown <laughs> here and there. It, 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 it's one of the ways that I feel like they pull the tension off a little bit is that they have this kind of moment of frivolity where they can throw in this dance number and have this really good time and fun time. And then, oh, yeah, we're going to put this pressure back on you with this, you know, this sad story of these people stole a girl. They kidnapped a girl and are keeping her hostage and these two friends who end up becoming enemies who then become friends again, like they have the same goals, really. It's just, they're getting to it in different fashions. So I, I agree with Tom that there are, it's like an amusement park. I love amusement park. So I guess that's why I love this movie so much. And I, I think a lot of this too, is the characters, the two main characters are based upon actual people, both of whom were executed by British firing squads. Hmm. They were both captured and killed for their revolutionary actions. And they, so in the, the real people were not successful in their ventures. And this sort of, and, and the director, uh, whose name is S.S. Raja Moli, and I'm, hopefully I was close to the, the proper pronunciation, he referenced in interviews very often how much Inglorious Bastards, the Quentin Tarantino film, was an inspiration. Because in that film, you see Jewish soldiers execute Hitler. Like, they get that reward. They get to correct the the injustice that was done to them, if only in cinema. And for Tarantino, cinema is a means of correcting things that have gone wrong in the world. Then it seems like this is the case for this director, too. These two revolutionaries who are clearly heroes to him are not only shown in the most ridiculous light which which they are and the action sequences are over the top and the movie is entirely melodramatic in keeping with bollywood standards i've seen a few bollywood movies and this seems to be how it's done it's it's very very melodramatic um but yes all of that's done and yet they live yet they succeed 
yet they're, they're victors. And he gets to take charge of history. And he doesn't have to bow down to facts, which are boring and upsetting and disturbing. He gets to make his own facts and make his own history. And that's kind of very exciting. And, I, you know, again, like as outsiders, we I think we miss that. I mean, we definitely miss that. I had to like research yeah. this after the fact, uh, obviously. Um, I'm glad that you mentioned this because I never put the Inglorious Bastards connection together, but you're absolutely right. This is a perfect synonym for that where they get to kind of rewrite history in their own fashion to like a catharsis almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And it's done in, in Bollywood style, which is another great thing because that is a distinct cinematic style that's unique to, um, you know, certain Indian filmmakers, right? Which involves really kind of melodramatic things, um, melodramatic sentiments, kind of filmmaking. It's sort of uh, a lot of the sequences in Bollywood tend to be almost like dreamlike. Uh, and there's always those kind of dance numbers. Those are ubiquitous, right? Their movie musicals are the thing. Um, in Bollywood. And so, you know, we have this kind of unique Indian style that is capturing this, this time period. Um, and so, yeah, it is, uh, it, it's part of, it's, it's all, it's all in that. Well, I'd like to once again, congratulate our own not too, not too dancer, Nick. Nick. Well done again. Yay. Wow. It's on a streak, man. I, we got we to start keeping track of this. What a guy. You can rate and review this show anywhere podcasts are available. For those viewing in YouTube land, if you haven't already, please like this video, subscribe to the Talking Studios channel for all our exciting content, and follow us on Twitter at Talking Studios. Check out other shows by Talking Studios, including Keep Making Movies, where we explore micro-budget films, Limited Lexicon, where we play through text-based adventure games, and Get the Point, where we slowly reveal a movie poster and try to guess which movie poster it is. Got a question for us? Call the Talking Studios hotline at 201-467-8679 and leave a message. It may be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, Please subscribe to Talking Pictures Trivia wherever fine podcasts are found. Join us next time when we discuss The Witch from 2015. Stay tuned for our first impressions of The Witch. Ding, 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 ding. Next week, we'll be discussing The Witch from 2015. Chris, how was your watch? This is my second or third time watching this film, and uh, well, it w- it was my choice. I I, I like this film a lot. Uh, I always like films that kind of play with the is it isn't it, and I th- when we get into the conversation about this film next week, I think that'll be part of something that we can talk about. But I I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it for what it is. I realize it's not a blockbuster. You're going to be riveted at the the uh, at the the edge of your seat the entire time, but it's definitely spooky and creepy, and we're in the fall. And I, it just feels like the right movie for the right time. And it's it's not for everybody, but I mean, I I I dig it. I enjoy it. And it's it's got a really I like that that era that like 15, 16, 1700s 
uh, United States before the United States, actually uh, America. And I just think that's a really creepy time. And this movie ratchets up that creep factor and like has a lot of, I don't want to call it innuendo, but has a lot of like, is it that, is that true or is it not true? And I like that kind of interpretive uh, film in that way. I, I get out of it what I want. And the person sitting next to me gets out of it what they want. And it could be two totally different experiences. And my wife was very much a different experience because she hated this movie. But I, I loved it. So I, I, that's that's all that matters for me, I guess. What about you, KJ? What did you think? Yeah, this was the first watch for me, Chris. I hadn't heard of it till you had brought it up. Um, so I had no idea what to expect. And audience, I think this movie might be best approached like a restaurant that doesn't serve food. Just is the vibe good? Like sit with the movie. Don't. Don't worry about the plot. Don't worry about character development. Just let the the vibe wash over you. It's eerie. It's creepy. You know, just be with the movie. And, Chris, I agree. The fall, this is a great time to watch this because, you know, we're coming up on, like, the darker season. Uh, It's almost winter. The days are getting darker. Things are a little eerier. And I feel like this movie progresses towards that. How about you, Tom? How was your watch? I have watched this simply for the this episode. I hadn't seen it before. I think I had started it and something interrupted me. I will say the the mood, the atmosphere, the ambiance is very thick. I will also say I don't entirely understand this movie. It seems to not entirely it doesn't seem to be entirely sure of what it is and I found the the director's direction and what he included or how he describes or how he frames the movie to be somewhat confused and confusing. That being said, there is a lot in it that is very effective. It is very creepy. There is ways in which the scenes are shot, which are interesting and effective. They use a very odd aspect ratio a one six six one aspect ratio to give it this kind of height. The movie has this sort. Of, it always feels like you're seeing more of the borders that are out of focus, which is a very intense kind of creepy um, feel, while simultaneously being claustrophobic. So there is a great deal of skill going into the making of this movie, but it's framed in a certain way that I will admit I just don't understand what the director is going, and I think he's going back and forth between two ideas or two concepts of the story that I, I don't think quite work. And we could talk about that more next week. The Witch is available on Max at the time of this recording. Wow, Talking Studios, 